is the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Libitsa. And um, we talk politics and TV every week. Today we're going to be talking politics. Uh, we are going to look at a nice article called The Obama Years in the Los Angeles Review of Books. It's by Stephen Marsh. Marsh. March with an E. Yeah. Something. Uh-huh. So in this article... Uh, we'll call him Stephen. Looks at the Obama years from a cultural standpoint, and uh, what should? How can I summarize it quickly? Um, I don't know. He basically talks about trying to understand the Obama years before they kind of fade into the Trump years. Yeah. And <clears throat> he sort of has, um, like some kind of recurring themes, like yeah you know, understanding, um, the world and ourselves through images, Mm -hmm. eating and shitting, (laughs) (laughs) um, jumping through hoops. And also I think he talks a lot about, um, like sameness and the lack of change. Yeah. Nice summary. Uh, I'm going to read, uh, the very conclusion to summarize it pretty quickly also. So he's talking about, you know, what Obama will mean for the future like in the future what will we look back at obama's presidency and think and he's talking about how well you know time will tell what we think of his political legacy foreign policy legacy that depends what happens in the future but he says his policies could never mean as much as his grace obama did that thing he moved like nobody was watching even though the whole world was watching no one could tell if it was the most natural thing in the world or if he had just mastered the steps everybody was trying to reach that grace and i was like everybody else I was trying to achieve a series of appropriate poses without looking like I was posing, hoping that with enough practice, I could learn to move in the predetermined way, as if that were what I had always wanted. That is one of the big theses of the piece, the focus on the image, how we're trying to live up to the image of ourselves and what we're expected to be. Yeah, he talks a lot about um, like how during the Obama years, it was actually like the images that we didn't see that were... Um, actually particularly important, right? He says, um, you know, there wasn't a heck of a job brownie moment, Mm -hmm. you know, or um, mission accomplished image, right? Um, Things that during the Bush years were uh, so embarrassing, but there we were sort of like saturated with Obama's image. And I even noticed that um, we were, after having read this article, we were like at the grocery store and uh, one of the, um, magazine covers was like talking about the Obama's last Christmas card <laughs> and it showed a photo of the Obama family and they mm-hmm. you know all look lovely and perfect mm-hmm. and beautiful and yeah. it was just really like yeah like we are it, it's interesting I don't think I had seen anything like that during the Bush years of just constantly seeing the Obamas everywhere the yeah, yeah. Image everywhere yeah talking about it's the images that we don't see that are important He's talking about Obama's policy of don't do stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he actually says like, uh, he's talking about um, that basically not making mistakes. And then he says, yeah, I am no different. Mistakes. When I look around my own life, when I look at the lives of those around me, I see our lived images, our imagined lives more than any other instinct or thought or impulse, the desire to not make mistakes, not to embarrass ourselves. Obama has lived that collective dream to the fullest. He has been the man who did not screw up. That's what's made him so hard to see and so intimately bound up with us all. Yeah. And so I think after kind of talking about um, Obama and 
the images and especially about not screwing up. He also kind of talks about um, Obama as a hoop jumper. Um, he says uh, Obama jumped through every hoop to become president and he, he jumped through every ho hoop as president. His life as is the greatest college application essay ever composed. Enough teenage rebellion not to seem weird, then Harvard, Harvard Law, Harvard Law Review, then community organizer, then Illinois state senator, then U.S. senator, then president. On the way, he didn't fuck up anybody. Or he didn't fuck anybody he shouldn't. He didn't owe money to, any, uh, to people. He didn't even have any truly embarrassing family. Obama was the hoop jumper in chief. He was lord of hoop jumpery. And so he talks about how um, this is like a, a, something that is like an idea that's falling apart before our very eyes, um, like during the Obama years, right? Because we all had this idea that like, you just have to jump through the right hoops and everything will be fine, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you and I have talked a lot about um, how we always, like I remember being in high school and thinking like, oh yeah, Banana Republic is where I'll shop where when I'm an adult and with an office job, yeah. you know, and I just assumed that I would go to college, be an adult with an office job and not everything would be fine. I wouldn't even yeah. have to think about how to like survive or pay rent or yeah. anything like that. I, I was just so certain it was going to happen that I was thinking about like what style I was I going to embrace as like a classy lady. Yeah, you I know? thought I would have an office job where they kind of told me what I was expected to do. And I would just meet and surpass those expectations exactly. and I would meet other people at work and become friends. And Because you and I both were like pretty good students, you know, yeah. we didn't, we were pretty good kids and like teenagers, like we didn't get into too much trouble. Uh, we did kind of the things that our parents and teachers and everyone told us were like the good, yeah, right things to do. Most of the time. Yeah, of course. Like Less Obama, so, we towards... did have our own teenage and you know college rebellions but... oh yeah at one point doesn't he say like obama rebelled enough not to be weird yeah that's yeah, yeah i just read that okay, yeah. yeah um and that's why i read it is because i think that's such a like a perfect um encapsulation of what all of us were told and obama is just like he had done it what all of us expected or, or expected of ourselves and thought was expected of us mm -hmm. just better than the rest of us you know yeah and um, so then he kind of gets into this idea falling apart, though, because like so many times during the Obama years, we heard Obama say, I want people to work hard and play by the rules. Uh, I want people who uh, work hard and play by the rules to have real opportunities to get ahead, you know, right. or what I believe unites the people of this nation, regardless of race or region or party, young or old, rich or poor, is the simple, profound belief in opportunity for all. The notion, if you work hard and take responsibility, you can get ahead in America. Um, and obviously, especially coming of age during the Obama years and graduating just as the market, you know, I mean, we graduated like 2009, just as the um, market was like completely falling apart. Mm -hmm. You know, we kind of saw like this fall apart in real time. And I mean, uh, in the article, he says... Um, but it doesn't yeah. quite fly. The line belongs to Obama because he's, you know, he's the one who's really lived that life so uh -huh. well. Working hard and playing by the rules are Obama's grand argument about American existence. The presumption of the right to opportunity connects the rural white factory worker, victim of fr 
free trade with the inner city teenager being pulled over by police for no good reason yeah. with the intern schlepping bagels around new media outfits in Manhattan and it unites them all against the nebulous spirit of out of control 21st century hypercapitalism which take rules takes rules like the material world as obstacles to profit mm-hmm. and i think that that's just such a perfect encapsulation of like what really happened during the obama years was that um all of these you know ideas that we can just go through life checking off the boxes that we need to check off and we'll be fine Com- like completely fell apart yeah, in the face finally of and hyper utterly. yeah capitalism in a way mm-hmm. that we couldn't like ignore or deny to me that yeah. is like the central most important thing that happened mm-hmm. during the obama years certainly for me yeah. it really opened my eyes in a way that you know i couldn't have imagined before um like the crash and stuff that and i think you and i have i mean we've talked about this so many times but but just like we realized early on like you know another internship another jumped hoop isn't really going to get us anywhere going to grad school just because it seems like okay another box checked wasn't going to get us a better job or like Mm -hmm. you know i was considering law school and it's like unless you really want to be a lawyer, unless you really want to go to like um, grad school to talk about literature with other people or something yeah. like there's no reason to go to grad school. Like, yeah. because it, that those rules are gone, mm-hmm. you know, that, that yeah. world has passed. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and it finally fell apart after decades of falling apart. Yeah. It's finally completely happened. Yeah. Like I grew up in the rust belt. So I watched my dad, complete some college but never finished because he had a good paying job at a yeah. factory and he worked at other factories and then they started closing and you find another one and now they're just all gone mm. and that's why i thought oh i'll go to college yeah i'll jump through those and then and everything be will be okay yeah i mean yeah. obviously like for me like being an immigrant my parents being immigrants it was like education was always mm-hmm. emphasized as like this is the path that will save you from yeah like manual labor you know, yeah. I know. <laughs> and and so um, to know that that has just as we got there, just as we were completing undergrad, yeah. it completely it just fell apart. But the, it's really interesting. Yeah, I, I thought I would go move to an urban center and you know. Yeah. And fall in. We went to a, a small private institution because I thought you know that's, I'll, more that's elite. cultural, yeah. more elite capital. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he even says here, like, I have only ever made a living inside crumbling institutions. Yeah. And he talks about how he had a job in the humanities just as jobs in humanities yeah. were disappearing. He goes on to work for a newspaper just as newspaper jobs are disappearing and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, definitely. So I think even people older than us have really been hit with that reality yeah. in a, the, a crazy the way. The way I see it is the reality that I grew up in, in the Rust Belt, has just spread now to every other sector. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And later on, he talks about artists. Did you read that part where he talks about uh, he didn't meet a single artist yes. in any yeah. field who was not, when you got right to the bottom of their lives, pursuing the crudest form of personal material security? Um, the principal question of the life of the mind was how to make a living at the life of the mind. It was yes. unfathomably anxious and boring. There was no end to the writing of business plans. Yeah. This goes back at least to that controversy when Of Montreal was in the... Uh, steakhouse ad yeah yeah and that was their their argument was basically there is no selling out you just have to survive which isn't necessarily wrong but right well and uh, but i was gonna say also like the best thing you could say about education now is that it is the bare minimum of what you need to like live in america now yeah it doesn't well, offer you any 
Yeah. Yeah, it's like the high school diploma of the past, yeah. you know. Um, and he, in that part where he's talking about um, uh, the artists and stuff like that, he also talks about, like, um, the sameness of, like, these I know. kitschy coffee shops that are all around, right? He says, like, he worked for Esquire and he yeah. was doing an interview with some guy and that guy was in LA and he was like in New York and his editor was in London or whatever. And he meets the guy in Los Angeles for a coffee shop. And Mm -hmm. he realizes that there's a coffee shop that's just as, you know, cute and unique as the coffee shop there in LA, in New York, in London, in, you know, all these different places. Yeah. And so, um, that sameness of like coffee shops and then also serving politely, never making a mistake and artists having small business plans, like, what I hear when I read mm-hmm. all of that is just, like, fear. Yeah. You know, just fear of failure because, like, the cost is really, really high. Um, so the images and the aesthetics are pretty, you know, like, cute coffee shops, perfect Instagramming of lattes, again, talking about the images. Mm-hmm. Um, but the baristas can't, like, take sick days. Yeah. The business owners are building brands and, know, you know, know. the lots, like, even putting out images to build their brand, like, on Instagram and stuff. I don't know. All of that seems really connected to me. Um, But they're, like, basically, you know, building brands in a wild, ephemeral effort to feel like they have some control over their lives. Like, they can stave off fear of failure, fear of falling into the abyss um, because missing a payment or getting credit or healthcare or whatever is really hard and it's really easy to lose in this society. Yeah, definitely. So... I think that that's like what he's getting at both when he's talking about all of this sameness and serving and obedience and the images, but he never really quite pulls it together for me in a way that I, I think, I, really I think it comes to. together enough. Like, yeah, you just, it's just, you know, it's like a, it's like the wasteland or something. It's like a, it's a collection of fragments that you just have to put them, hold them together at the same time in your mind. And the meaning arises out of you. Yeah. Being the person present with all these fragments in your mind, you know? Yeah. Because it is kind of like a list article. Yeah. And he details his personal experience, which I don't think we're going to cover, but is somewhat interesting in that he talks about having kids and that to him, the most meaningful thing about having kids was it shows you how little meaning there is. Yeah. And that kind of syncs up with the article, maybe in a way that I can't explicate, Hmm. but you know, but, um, that thing about the cities really got to me because... We've been trying to decide what city we want to live live in in or near for the rest of our lives or in the near future. And we've been to most of the ones that we're interested in, driven there. So we've seen a lot. Stayed there, spent time in the little neighborhoods, gone to the little coffee shops. I know, yeah. (laughs) But then after doing some of that, we were lucky enough to spend some time in Hong Kong because we were visiting your family in Australia. So we stopped over. Yeah. And just, it was so different and so stimulating. And... There's nothing, none of the cities in America, in retrospect, have any real difference from one another. Yeah. 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 So it's like, it doesn't really matter where we pick to live, almost. But I think that comes out of that fear. It's like, this is what works, you know? That's like why I get so annoyed with, like, reboots, too. Because they, like, are essentially a way to, like, you know, stave off the fear that they're going to lose money, right? That the studio's going to lose money. So let's just dump a bunch of money into a reboot of something we know already Mm -hmm. made money in the 80s or last year or whatever, you know? Which is just kind of a way to, like, circle the abyss. Yeah. Right, without falling into it. Yeah, exactly. Instead of just admitting, like, 
this is actually like having giant studios make giant fucking movies all the time isn't really like creatively fulfilling Mm -hmm. interesting meaningful the movies for adults now are like movies about comic book heroes because that's what makes the most money like that's not that is like circling the abyss man like (laughs) and i guess gentrification kind of is too yeah because uh instead of dealing with the problems of of inner city we just literally live on the outskirts and make them nice enough yeah until the abyss is like displaced yeah totally totally like being in we stayed in kowloon when we were in hong kong which was at first seemed kind of scary because it's so busy and I mean, it's, dense isn't it called and, like the dark? Yeah, the dark side. Yeah. By the Westerners who live in the fancy part. Yeah. And then uh, you you learn like it's very safe and they have very little crime in Hong Kong. Yeah. It's like we could pursue policies in America that make that happen. But instead, you know, we keep it out of our minds and just live on the outskirts and make the outskirts nice. And Well, it's also partly what we were talking about. And we like fetishize the abyss in a way that makes it. The abyss of like the inner city, we fetishize it in a way that neuters it. Yeah, you know, but... it is also just like a, a lack of um, willingness to have any type of collective action. Like so, gentrification mm-hmm. is like individuals making choices yeah. to make things nicer. Of course, they don't, they're not going to actually address the problems of other people. Yeah. They're only acting in their own no. self interest. You know, like yeah. So gentrification is it's like converting a falling down warehouse into a condo. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it's like a failure of um policy or ideas and he also actually talks about that in this piece he says um he talks about like i I like the way he did it he talked about um exclamation points i know that was cool and he said that um uh he says in the absence of large shifts small things mattered so for instance the rise of the exclamation point at the beginning of the obama years a typical thank you email after someone after some party would read the party was great, period. Thanks for inviting me, period, obviously. Um, and would have meant that you were politely expressing gratitude. By the end of the Obama years... Uh-oh. I think okay. it's okay. She's the by the end of the Obama years, the same message would arrive by text, and it would have to read, The party was great! Exclamation point. Thanks for inviting me! <laughs> Exclamation point. Because if you wrote, the party was great, thanks for inviting me, it could have meant anything. It could have meant you hated the party. It also could have meant that you loved the party. The reason for the rise of the exclamation point was obvious. The exclamation point signified, I mean this. Yeah. And as the Obama years progressed, I mean this mm-hmm. needed to constantly be reasserted. Yeah, I like that. Me too. Especially um, because he's expressing, you know, uh, this idea that these like minor... Um, changes are like what mattered most in lieu of major ideas right, right? he talks about how um, you're you're not a socialist or uh, whatever in the Obama years you talk about like being a vegan or you don't debate like debate the merits of art mm-hmm. you debate the merits of living in Silver yeah. Lake versus we'll whatever. have to get into that how there's no new ideas yeah and, well it's just what we were just talking about like yeah yeah circling the abyss this feeling of no new ideas the reason you know that gentrification is the only thing that's like happening to cities is a lack of ideas on the part of our leaders of how to deal uh-huh. with inner city problems right like or will a, will, a lack of willingness to yeah. do so you know but also this is such a great example of the way that you're supposed to jump through hoops mm. if you've gone to a job interview like i work in tech oh yeah you have to go and yeah. say oh it is my life yeah i love it in my spare time, I'm reading about it. I'm always learning. 
you know yeah you have to put your whole personality into the work because we all know you have to jump through these hoops yeah you have to make it seem like you want to jump through the hoops you I literally had a line in my cover letter that was like Oh, no, it was it was in my follow up, like, thank you. No, mm-hmm. after an interview, they'd be like, I'm so excited about the ideas we talked about. I'm ready. I've been thinking about them even more. I'm ready I to know. hit the ground running. I'm sure people like loved it. they do. I always yeah. get a really good response to that. But it's yeah. always such fucking bullshit. And that's like. because uh, like when he said at the very conclusion about Obama, everybody was trying to reach that grace where no one could tell if it's the most natural thing in the world or if you've just mastered the steps. Yeah. Like, you want to have the Instagram account where you're sharing everything all the time, but it doesn't look like you're doing it for attention. Right. You know, it's just natural. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, everything in your life is um, beautiful the way it is on Instagram, like, Mm -hmm. with the filter. I think that one time weren't we saying, like, there's no place as beautiful as Instagram, (laughs) you know? Like, um, or maybe I was just thinking about that in my head. I don't know. But it's just, like... Everything is so ordered and um, he talks and controlled and he talks too a lot about like obedience and control Mm -hmm. and like living a controlled life and specifically about Obama being so controlled that, you know, there wasn't a Lewinsky scandal. There wasn't whatever. Like it's just it's like admirable to us how in control he is, you Mm -hmm. know, and I know like. Even just, like, in my own daily life, like, I've been struggling with that idea of, like, control and how much control do I really want to have versus not. Like, um, you know, like, we eat, like, we try to eat clean and healthfully all week, and then we have, like, a planned, controlled cheat day. Yeah, yeah, you that's know? funny. And then I always feel bad after our cheat day, even though it was planned and controlled. It's like, yeah. oh, man, we went to, maybe we shouldn't have whatever drank that much or had that burger but that's what we set this time aside for is to eat and drink too much yeah exactly and and then on the other hand i think like i don't i know that like having too much control over everything will like lead to craziness and like on and like not just not to be insensitive but like i mean you know being crazy and control i shouldn't use the word crazy but being so in control of like your eating leads to Mm -hmm. disordered disorders like anorexia and stuff right right? not that that's like an issue for us but i'm just Mm -hmm. saying like there is like we admire that control so much and yet we know that like that's not really an ideal the only reason that that's an ideal is because we're so afraid of falling into that abyss that it feels like if we can have control over our lives and be particularly disciplined then we'll somehow avoid you know the chaos that is like modern capitalism avoid the abyss yeah yeah so i don't know i just thought that was really interesting and something that really spoke to me in the article yeah i um what what do you want to talk about next about this okay well i wanted to get back to separateness a little bit i definitely have a few more things to talk about here yeah but with separateness separateness when we're talking about the cities Mm. um he he spends a little bit of time that was a bit irritating just because he's talking about like phone usage and stuff and it's such a cliche at this point that it's easy to just read that and i don't know get kind of irritated but um he says like the phone was our collective historical experience our collective historical experience occurred to each of us alone and i think that is actually an important thing for him to assert in this article um and it mirrors the way that these cities are separate but the same when you're isolated um by the screens you are individual you're isolated you're separate 
and that produces sameness, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he talks about that, too. He says, like, no matter how much we, like, um, like, strive to be different, we actually all ended up being exactly the same, basically. Yeah. Um, shortly after that, he's talking about, he's talking, he's talking about, like, movies. Like, if you're going to make a movie of this period in the future, mm-hmm. the notes are really all easy to hit, like, the man bun... The literary tattoo. Starbucks everywhere. Starbucks everywhere. Chucks. Yeah. yeah. Even though we feel Hoodies. like we're getting more diverse and everything, it's still really yeah. same. EDM. Um, and towards the end of that, he says, there were drugs, certainly, but they were the drugs of maintenance, not exploration. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then he has something here about how it was different in the 60s, that they were more like seekers. In the 60s, the drugs were psychedelics, LSD, mm-hmm. mushrooms. And those are... Like for seekers, people who are, you know, trying to learn more about experience in the world. And he says instead, the seekers of the Obama years were seekers after jobs or seekers after better Mm. jobs or seekers after jobs with benefits. Other periods generated movements and isms, free love or the hippies or communism. Uh, But instead, theory was strictly schoolboy stuff for us. We were superior to grand visions. We were superior to grandeur. And then he talks about how there's no new ideas. Yeah. Instead which, of ideas, we had meals and television television shows in the cities in which we lived. Yeah, which is really interesting because that actually makes me think of um, this last like the primary like Clinton versus Sanders and mm-hmm. how people would always like cut down Sanders for having big ideas, yeah, basically yeah. for like grandeur and yeah, what that's you what think I was we thinking. can afford to send everybody to college? Yeah. You think we can afford healthcare for everybody? Know, yeah. Meanwhile, Clinton was like. No new ideas, maintaining things as they are, just managing expectations, you yep, know? Yeah, The drugs of maintenance. Exactly. Not exploration. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I think uh, there's a, I think there's a connection between, he talks about like eating the best mm-hmm. and he says at the, at one point he's detailing this really fancy meal oh, he had. Oh, it was had. crazy. Yeah. It made me, it made it hard for me to just not like him. <laughs> not to n- not like him or yeah, to dislike him? Yeah, because he, to not, I mean, to like him. It okay. made it hard for me to like him. Okay. Because he... Well, you do you want to do talk you, about uh, the meal? You, t- you tell if you remember Well, basically, he talks about being at, I don't know, like some fancy restaurant with a super famous chef or whatever. Mm. And um, the chef serves trout in three ways. And right. it's like... Um, uh, in four ways. As row, as live hatchlings, as a filet, and smoked. Mm-hmm. The whole dish was beautiful, but the hatchlings were more than beautiful. The nastiness of the wriggling fry on the plate, uh, their furtive flurry on the palate, the shameful cruelty of consuming animate beings. (laughs) That to me... It makes it hard to like. Yeah. Disgust and folded into more intense pleasure. That to me made it really hard to not just be like, ah, you you fucking guy. I know. And to know it must have cost hundreds (laughs) Uh, of dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's really what it was. But he does talk about how it was like the most profound like art thing he experienced during the Obama years, which makes sense. Yeah. And that it reflects like the brutality of the cosmos and of life. Yeah, life that and makes death sense. Yeah. And cycles. Yeah, I mean, I totally thought that was a, a pretty cool passage. Yeah, but... but it's good enough as, like, a conceptual exercise. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Yeah, well, I can't really. Just the idea of eating animate, like, yeah. fully alive beings was, yeah. like, really hard for me to stomach. Oh, well, it happens. We were just I looking know. at, like, you can, I mean, lobsters are alive when you put them in the water. I know. They boil alive. You well, can... I don't eat lobsters. Yeah. <laughs> 
I want to try the uni just fresh off the street where it's still alive. And uh, crack I do it open. not. I do. I would not. eat that. I know you would. But he's talking in this section about. He says taste exploded and contracted over the Obama years, outward and inward, into ever greater elaboration. And he he's talking about how the fancy on the fancy end, you know, you would have a line caught tuna that was helicoptered from the Pacific into the restaurant or whatever, shaved velvet from the antlers of reindeers. But also on the other end, like food trucks, you know, yeah. Whether fancy or food truck, there's this idea that you have to eat the best and yeah. to know what is best. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but it's not to know like what is the best life. It's to know what is the best specific thing. Yeah, yeah. the best place to get street tacos in in our town, which yeah. I love to do actually. Yeah. Like this really hit home for me because it's like describing me. Well, I know one time we had our friends over and I noticed that we kept doing that. That yeah, we kept me saying too. like, oh, this is the best cheese. Yeah. This is the best hot sauce. Yeah. This is the best beer. Like this is yeah. the best, you know, and I just, I kept hearing myself say that, and I was like, ugh, what, I know. <laughs> what am I doing? I know. Like, but it's totally, yeah, when I read those lines, it definitely... It makes me feel somewhat better to know it's a wider cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it also makes sense that when um, it feels like everything is circling the abyss, that we focus on the the a very, like, human material experience, like eating, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. That's something we can actually hold on to. It's like a, we we can eat it and you know put it in our bodies for a while and experience yeah, shooting yeah. it out. Which but like I think it also about. has like, to do with being separate and isolated. Like mm. the ideally, what's good about eating a meal is like doing it with other people yeah. and having oh, an experience. Totally. Not the Apollonian. Oh, this is the best yeah. taco I will ever have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. one time we were at the um, at the like liquor store, and we. Like, we use Vivino to, like, see mm-hmm. ratings for different wines. And uh, this old, oh, old yeah. lady who she's worked cool. there, yeah, asked us, like, oh, are you using Vivino? And she's like, yeah, that's a nice app because it lets you know what lots of people think about it. And she's like, but, you know, like, the value in a bottle of wine or how you feel about it can often be the experience you have while drinking it, what you're mm-hmm. talking about, what you're eating, yeah. you know. And it just really made me feel so empty in that moment you know because she was so she so clearly had a better understanding of what makes a good bottle of wine than our like you know scanning different labels to see what other people millennial abominious practices yeah just reducing everything to numbers oh this is a 4.3 it must be great yeah and now we're listening to a podcast about wine yeah (laughs) yeah yeah we're cliches yeah um She's great, though. Two or three times she's seen me using Vivino and been like, oh, is that Vivino? Yeah. And then shared some bit of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. great. Yeah. But I think there's some connection between that and the policy that you're talking about. That's why I brought it up. And later on, he's like, for example, we had punks during the Obama years. Oh, yeah. But they were obsessed with being punk, upholding the best traditions of punk and not being at all unpunk. Um, Did you... Um, read the part or about the terrorists. I thought that was really great too. Yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, terrorists, the radical outsiders to our system, source their rebellion to antique religious submission. You had to serve somebody. You could serve well or poorly, politely or rudely, but it was better to serve as politely as possible. And yeah. just that idea that terror. I know, but like Islam means peace, right? right. Submission. That type, that's that type of peace, like the peace of submitting yourself to a greater power, you yeah. know. And so the idea that the terrorists that we fear are um, 
are so dedicated to serving actually is really i think it's like a really interesting concept because we just think of them as like producing chaos in our world but actually they see themselves perhaps i mean i don't know but it certainly seems likely that they see themselves as like serving in a uh like specific like ordered type of way actually you know like serving like the way that in a way that they understand as being like maybe even like like polite or good or mm. you know like yeah i don't know i thought that, that makes was sense he kind of lost me with the serve bit because i was looking for a word that maintained a connection between what he's saying about the terrorists and what he's saying about searching searching out the best tacos or whatever and we're not serving anyone when we're you know trying to but it, i think the serve um, serving goes right alongside the ideas of obedience and control. Yeah. And yeah. certainly trying to find the best tacos mm-hmm. is a form of control, right? You're trying to control the experience that you have in a way that's like absurd. Like the idea that you could find the best tacos and therefore materially make your life better yeah. by just have, if you just do enough research, that's all about control. And yeah, yeah. it is like about obedience and, yeah. and serving. I think those are all interconnected yeah. ideas it's definitely piece, all but... wrapped up in that no having new ideas thing too. yeah you know i was talking to my dad via text the other day and uh he sent me a link to like this article about public image ltd's album coming out in 78 that's mm-hmm. john lydon from the sex pistols okay and it's about how oh, it came out people didn't like it because it wasn't like the sex pistols or whatever he was he's a big fan of the album but i was just like surprised because i was thinking he must have been about a little bit younger than us when that came out. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, man, when I was 26, I was not paying attention to music. So I asked him, oh, you must have been with it and stuff. And he was like, well, when punk came out and it was scaring people and they thought about banning it and everything, yeah. I got really interested. Yeah. And there is nothing like that going yeah. on now. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot, whether it's about music or fashion. Like, we'll, like, look at, like, because we live in a college town, so we see, like, college kids yeah. everywhere we go. And... I'll just see, like, they dress exactly like we did yeah, in college. Like, flannel, jeans, even skinny the, jeans. Even like, the, the knit hats. Yeah, 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 like, chucks. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just, they dress exactly, like, I feel like the crop top is the biggest innovation, and that's not even an innovation, because, like, Britney Spears was all about crop tops in the early yeah. 2000s, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, with music, too, you and I talk about looking for new music all the time, but we, especially me, to the point where I annoy you, come back to the same stuff we listened to in college because I don't find stuff. Even the new stuff we find, it just sounds to me like it's Mm -hmm. trying to sound like the older stuff. So I'd rather just listen to the older stuff. I feel like there's a lack of truly transformative ideas. Yeah. You know, not just new ones, but like transformative ones. But with music, I I was thinking like so much of it now, because I have been a bit more successful with finding stuff I like. Like, mm-hmm. we like Elvis Depressedly. Yeah. And there are a bunch of other bands like that that do indie music that I like. And, but like, it's hip-hop. All... If you, like... Okay, but the indie music that I like, it's all a throwback to, like, early 90s indie. Yeah. You know? It's all really yeah. simplistic. Yeah, a lot of the, like, pro-era, like, Joey Badass yeah. and stuff, I love them, but it is also very... Yeah. It sounds very 90s, which yeah. is part of what... It's and, cool, but and yeah. there's like an emo nostalgia. There's like people that like emo that are young, yeah. But they like pop, like pop punk, yeah. You know, like yeah. simpler things actually, which is kind of nice. But on the other hand, it's just nostalgia. It's not anything new or transformative, yeah. And like uh, all that music, like the rap and stuff too. There's even with like 
really brainy stuff like like JT is into, mm-hmm. you know, it's still this nostalgia for like industrial music of the 80s for drum mm. machines and analog synths. Yeah. And they like those, they like seek those bands out for inspiration, even obscure ones, like the whole vinyl culture. Oh, you'll get so excited if you find like some obscure 80s yeah. teens that were making synth pop, synth punk. Yeah. Know? Like it's kind of, I mean, I'm prone to feel that way too, but well, it's it's, it's again like searching out the best taco. You yeah, know? it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the music that isn't nostalgic, like completely foregrounds and flattens the computerizedness of it. Hmm. Like a lot of the stuff that we hear on the radio sometimes, that's like hip hop pop mm, songs. Yeah, it's like clearly influenced by what people do on SoundCloud and stuff. Where yeah, vocals are glitchy, or even that trap beat with the hi hat. Where it's like do 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 whatever, like it's all felt foregrounding the surface and the image and flattening it and acknowledging its own production. I don't know. I think, I think there's something there that's a lack of transformativeness. It's not using these tools to make something that you're like, my God, how did they make that? Yeah. You're like, oh, that's cool. Like, I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that connects to what we were saying about policy. Um, I'm going to try to connect it. Like the lack of I ideas. I feel it strongly. I don't uh-huh. know if I can explain it. Okay. But I think it does have to do with the lack of, ide- of ideas. Like, like in mainstream dem policy, it's all about wonkishness, right? Oh, God, yeah. It's more important to be savvy and knowledgeable to discuss, like, the best way to do pre-K. You know, mm-hmm. are we going to do tax breaks? What kind of subsidies are we going to use? What criterion are we going to use to measure success? Yeah. To what degree should it be public? What degree private? Like, during the... Um election like we i think was it an article that we read that was like or maybe it was on a podcast we heard someone talking so admiringly of the clinton campaign and brooklyn headquarters and how it was just Mm -hmm. full of wonks and they were stamping out ideas and they had all the details and the numbers and it was so impressive and they had people that specifically knew about just some specific aspects of you know healthcare policy or whatever and the box podcast yeah style yeah and it was just so i remember after the election you know we were just like so what was that all for <laughs> like know. what is that what did that mean in the end yeah you know that it's, was useless it's so funny on vox they're like oh we're going into the weeds because we're such nerds we like really love um you know whatever obscure zoning laws yeah. and healthcare like policy yeah it's like you guys are just being performative you're just well, saying like oh i'm such a nerd ha ha and ha, also ha. like but look how good i am and look also like the, the reason people say don't go get into the weeds is because you'll lose sight of the <laughs> big picture right yeah. like yeah so yeah like and their it's manifesto about, is let's go into the weeds yeah it's yeah. about it's like policy as an ends instead of a means to yeah like making people's lives better in yeah. some material way. And like, obviously Obamacare fits that mold. Yeah. 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 And that is a bit of um, that idea of... Sorry, I interrupted you. No. I know you, you were driving somewhere. That's but, good. Um, but it is that... Getting back to that idea of like... Uh, or, or the thing he talks about with this lack of ideas. It's like getting into these details loses sight of any... That there's no transformative um, policy actually being um introduced right like so when bernie was like talking about um like inequality and they kept saying oh he's a single issue candidate you know it's like yeah because that issue is like the most important issue and i rather have a candidate that talks about policy in the big picture way 
and talks about how it's like going to make my life better than a room full of wonks that stamped out a bunch of ideas for a candidate who couldn't win. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Or a really good example is how Bernie said, well, let's have, you know, free tuition at all public universities. Yeah. Oh, but then Donald Trump's kids can go. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, have a big, transformative, meaningful Instead idea. Instead of, yeah, the getting stuck on the little detail yeah. that three people we don't like are also going to benefit, know. you know? <laughs> it's like, all we need to do with America is, like, help a small, like, poor people who don't make exactly $35,000 get subsidies to pay for education at state universities. Yeah. As long as they do work study, you know. Yeah. But yeah, basically, I think that the Dems obscure their lack of new ideas yeah. or any ideas, I feel I like. I got a little lost there in my hate just now. <laughs> <laughs> By um, really, you know, just emphasizing their wonk wonkishness and mm-hmm. um, the specific details of plans that they have stamped out. I love, like, instead of Medicare for all, we'll set up a market where private insurers can pitch plans and we'll give people subsidies who make a certain income, but not who make too little. Yeah. They should have Medicaid and we'll do a Medicaid expansion, but states can choose and some states opt out so they don't get Medicaid. <laughs> so those poor people don't get anything. Yeah. But we're going to mandate that they buy stuff and we have to have the mandate. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it's just fetishizing details Ugh. instead of, like, actually, like, being like, okay, what's... How do we... Why are we trying to do this? And the, what's the point the, here? What are we trying to achieve? And maybe the heart of the problem with that approach is that you're just accepting things as they are yeah. and just trying to change yeah. it on the margins. And then we get back to this idea of, yeah. you know, drugs of maintenance and Clinton and Obama yeah, yeah. as just managers in, yeah, in yeah. chief as opposed to, like, leaders with and, ideas that are going to move us forward towards this big-picture, better world, yeah. you know, the, and, where we can see materially changes to our lives that yeah. are good, you and know? That's where I think there's a connection between, like, oh, everybody's experiencing history on their phones with Ezra Klein and Wonkish Policy and artists who have a business plan because it's all, like... It's in a lack of new ideas. It's a lack of transformative ideas or even aspirations. Yeah. Because it's a nihilistic acceptance of reality as it is. Oh, yeah. You know, does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And since, but the problem with that is like, since what is real, it's has a largely subjective component, you know, mm-hmm. you can't, if you're, if your goal is to accept reality just alone, yeah. then you completely ignore yourself and other people and just accept you know, like the mainstream centrist opinion of what is reality yes. rather than imagine, rather than imagine it and take yeah. agency in imagining what is reality in even a radical way. Well, and then, and, and then and what taking, you end up with is obedience. Yeah, definitely. And just taking like responsibility for the fact that like people's yeah. actions create reality. That's true. Yeah. Take know? responsibility for what reality is. Yeah. 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 Because otherwise we're sitting back and it's like, well, that's the reality. That's the system. We can't change things. That's yeah. just the way capitalism is. Yeah. Like We have to give tax breaks to businesses. Yeah. We have to bomb the Middle East. Yeah. We have to spy on Americans. Yeah. We can't have $15 an hour minimum wage. Yeah. That's just not realistic according yeah. to the CEOs of McDonald's who yeah. make like I have to <laughs> sell my music to corporations I don't like. Yeah. Just to get money. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I think... It's kind of the um, the biggest like pitfall in how Democrats and yeah Dems and, and I uh, think the and and politicians in general sort of behave. Yeah, but I think and I think that's what leads to hoop jumping for all yeah. of us because you know accept reality, 
ignore your role in creating it yeah means obedience yeah means just tell me what to do and i'll do it yeah you have no um agency other than following the rules basically you know yeah is that everything i feel like we talked about this article yeah i think that connects it pretty well too like the article does follow disparate ideas of yeah. dreads in a way that I like. Yeah, and it, it also makes it hard to actually talk about it in like yeah. a completely coherent way, but hopefully I think we kind of came back yeah. to a lot of these themes of... I think the only other thing we missed was he talks a lot about waste when he talks about the abyss. Mm. I don't know necessarily what to make of that, but um, I think it's cool when he says on Facebook and Twitter, history was just ignorance and violence to be overcome, a bunch of statues of Confederate generals to be torn down. Meanwhile, 10% of the natural world has disappeared in the past 20 years. Like, who the fuck are we to judge the past? We quested to purify our image, but not our bowels. All Mm. our virtue was shit, pure pretense. Yeah. Yeah. And then later also when he talks about how, um, like, London, uh, seeing the success of a different city's um, effort to (laughs) essentially mine our shit because they found so much gold like now london is about to be doing that too pulling gold out of shit Shit. yeah like a waste treatment yeah yeah Yeah. i thought that was really interesting um i mean he definitely has the theme of shit going through and waste obviously going throughout this piece in in a pretty interesting way but also a way that was a little hard for me to really connect back to other ideas he's like another essay to pull out probably yeah 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 um, another thread we didn't mention was just towards the end, he's like, the truth of the Obama years is that they were pre-something. Oh, yes. Knew what. Their meaning would be worked out later. It was endless crisis, but no apocalypse. The apocalypse was arriving with no revelation. Yeah. Well, that is neoliberalism, though. We've literally yeah. talked about the yeah. rolling crises of neoliberalism, yeah. you know, and that what happens is essentially just maintaining the status quo is actually success, right? That's uh-huh. actually the win. And yeah. so... The, the fact that the Obama years felt like that and that uh, what was going to be the triumph at the end of all of that was electing Hillary Clinton, who promised four more years of Obama, basically, mm-hmm. um, you know, maintaining the status quo, having another person who was going to be like a, basically a manager in chief that was just going to maintain the system as it is. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I mean, that obviously connects back to a lot of the other ideas that we've been talking yeah. about. No new ideas, no big change, nothing actually happens, circling the abyss, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah. all of that, to me, again, stems back to that real fear of capitalism, basically. This fear that we're going to fall into the abyss is because we know that it's really brutal. Like, when you fail in America, there's no safety net. There's, yeah. you know, if you're start a business and you can't pay the rent like that person is that you signed the lease with is going to be able to sue you right like Mm -hmm. the bank you owe money to is going to be able to sue you like anybody that you hired that you also owe money you know like you're it's you're done that's it you can take one risk and then that's it like you're gonna be buried in debt and litigation and fear and so i think like when people think about like what it means to i don't know to to live in our hyper capitalist society i think fear is the number one thing and and ultimately like whether we're talking about 
you know, shit, which, like, if you think about, you know, kind of looking into the toilet, looking into, like, our guts in the toilet, essentially, like, mm -hmm. that's another form of looking into the abyss, perhaps, you know, like, all of that is fear it's yeah. just fear being flushed down the toilet being literally you know disappeared in, in some ways erased because you no longer are seen as like a valuable moral yeah part of our society yeah i wonder is there a connection culturally with trash there seems to be no trashy entertainment anymore like well there's housewives and stuff oh yeah i guess that's true it was just something that occurred to me like Comic books aren't trashy. Comic yeah. books are cool. Um, How to Get Away with Murder is trashy, but it's not trashy. Yeah. It's like almost prestige. Like, yeah. Or even it's, better. Yeah, it's trashy, but it's made well, so it's yeah. good. Listening to Beyonce as an adult is not trashy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or I mean, I was going to say Britney Katie Spears. Or Katy Perry. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Maybe what we need is like some real, real fucking trash culture to, <laughs> you know, like some real shitty art. Well, that would be different, shit. you know, because yeah. that's the thing is everything gets homogenized into and into being normal. And yeah. it's this, you know, and then it's like, oh, well, we're all part of the same big culture. We all watch Bravo for our trashy TV. We all yeah. watch comic book movies. We all listen to Beyonce. We all, you know, yeah. like. Yeah. I don't know what's that there. sameness. Yeah. There's one other big part of the article we didn't get to, which was public shaming. Oh, yeah. That was good. I thought. His thesis is that since we're so image focused and focused on jumping through the hoops and we're so focused on, you know, demonstrating and performing through our image to other people that we are the right type of person, that the flip side of that is this gleeful public shaming yeah. of people. Yeah. He also touches on that when he's talking about the exclamation point and that um, since nothing big changes, the small things matter. So mm -hmm. even fl fluctuations in how, like, you're supposed to behave like about yeah. which words you're supposed to say to denote a you know certain minority or whatever like all of that stuff gets turned into like a really big deal and, yeah. and goes into like i think that also touches on the facebook you mm -hmm. know activism yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah maybe that's like the best argument against pc yeah identity politics culture you yeah know. and of course like... younger people catch on faster than older people right yeah we and didn't he... quite mention that yeah but that was one of his theses is like uh cultural codes have to keep shifting so that you can demonstrate that you yeah. are with it yeah and as you're the right to... kind of person yeah, yeah yeah um but like maybe that's the best argument against identity politics not that it's... there's a lot of good arguments against solely soul but like yeah the idea that we're just gonna work around the margins to get more you know black lesbian created tv more shows correct or whatever. Yeah. that we're gonna work toward to make things more correct right like yeah, the sum yeah kind of platonic idea of correct yeah, yeah like it becomes a huge campaign to get like a poc spider-man yeah when you're not having a transformative idea of something to change the culture that yeah. would actually make it different yeah well i talk to you all the time about that like where it's like um yeah okay there's a big push to have the first female president but there's no like radical concept which wouldn't even be radical it's an old idea but just like of paying with like stay-at-home moms yeah. for like work the yeah. work that they do and recognizing that that is work and that if you're a stay-at-home dad you also deserve to be paid for that you know and that yeah. this there's labor being done here that is just because it's mainly done by women seen as completely mm -hmm. valueless you and know that's the kind of thing that could be bipartisan yeah and yeah. also would be uh an idea a, a big idea that would go along with the symbolic 
having a female president, right? But yeah. we didn't have a campaign that campaigned on anything like that. You know, it just, as soon as it turned into just Hillary versus Trump, all talk of policy went out the window and it was all about behaving correctly. Trump doesn't behave correctly, right? Yeah. You know, that's yeah. over and over again, like that's what they hammered on and their feeling was that people would just be so horrified by the way yeah. he behaves that Hillary would sail into the White House, yeah. you know? Unfortunately, most of his voters know that like, the cultural codes have changed to a place where they're not up with it. Yeah. So attacking Trump for not being up with it just makes them identify with it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's pretty good. I mean, we're at almost an hour. Okay. Well, yeah. I think we, I mean, like I said, it was, it was a really good article, but it was difficult to, I, I wish I could have edited it <laughs> for him a little bit. I, I really like it. I, I think if we were to like read it again, we could talk for another 40 minutes easy. Yeah, that's true. There are also parts of it that I'm not, I'm not surprised you liked it because it almost sounded like modern poetry. Oh, yeah, there yeah. are like entire paragraphs, like especially when he talks about like the glistening shits that we've created and stuff like that. Yeah. That just like, I was like, this could, I could just take out this paragraph and like submit it as a I poem, know. you know? Which is <laughs> like, really ironic because the like, literary personal essay is such a feature of the obama yeah, years yeah 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 and all the time he spent talking about himself becoming a dad embarrassingly realizing that like bourbon and ginger ale is his favorite drink right. or whatever you know like i i don't know i just maybe i would have gotten more out of it if i yeah. was a dad but i thought there was something interesting when he was talking about how masculinity amongst him and his like cohort yeah of friends that was and interesting intellectual type people was to like be kept at an ironic distance right yeah, yeah. to acknowledge like um let's oh, go I'm... to the game to do <laughs> like our yeah he told his professor friend we should go to catch a hockey game and then you can tell your father-in-law that you did something masculine this yeah year. yeah 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 that was interesting yeah or he's like out in the yard regularly aerating the soil with a pitchfork yeah. but like ironically complaining about it yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was it's like an, just an extra hoop you have to jump through because you have to be masculine, but also you have to be aware that you're being masculine and it's a construction. So you have to perform all of that. And also you have to, it's another hoop you have to jump through because you bought a house, you live in a neighborhood with other people who don't want their property values mm -hmm, to true. fall because, you know, and if you keep the house up to code and maintain everything and landscape it cute, then you can sell it later for more money. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's just another one of the but many then, hoops, yeah, right? Yeah. But then the getting housing, married, buying a house, right. But then the housing children. market crashes, yeah. and it doesn't matter what hoops you jump yeah, through. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, once again, all all of the rules fall away, like, yeah. for for how to get ahead, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. We could just keep talking about this article forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. But I do, I do basically like it, but there was some stuff I just would have cut that I think could have made it, like, tighter and, and mm -hmm. I guess, to be more impactful, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, that's well, all we have to say. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it for this episode. We'll do another one about TV shows. We really, really, really want to do an episode talking about Swedish TV. Yeah. yeah. Swedish supernatural crime dramas. Maybe, yeah. maybe they're not all supernatural. We don't know yet about Midnight Sun, which is a great show by the creators of The Bridge that's just coming out if you have you know, semi-illegal websites that you can watch it on. You can find it there. Um, also, we will definitely talk about Yord Scott. If you're looking for something to watch and you are cool to watch a subtitled cop procedural, 
uh, it's well, it's not a procedural. It's like a serial yeah. story. Yeah, it's not a procedural, no. but it's really good. Watch Yord Scott. Yeah. J O R D S K O T T. Yeah. I'm spelling it so that you can look it up if you're at all interested. It's an incredible show. It's kind of like, um, kind of like a like a low rent um, David Cronenberg TV show because there's all this weird body stuff going on, and uh, it's kind of like mixing that with Fern Gully and with the killing it's really cool also we'll definitely talk about ongleby which is where a woman from the city uh goes looking for her mom right in the countryside well she you're giving stuff away i knew this would Shit. happen <laughs> just check out these shows if you're interested yeah and then we'll talk about ongleby is a is like angel by one word yeah and that's the name of this little town that this woman goes to where one of the major plot points is that there's this weird... She just... She applies for a job. She gets it immediately. Yeah. She's getting divorced. So she's just like, fuck it, let's go. We're moving. Yeah. But I can definitely tell you there's a giant weird rock in the forest that plays a big role. Yes. And that's so cool. Yes. It's so, like... It's so, you know, pagan. It's like... It's like a fairy tale. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll definitely be talking about those. And if you're looking for something to watch, definitely look those up. They're great. Yeah. All right. That's it. All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, have fun this week. Have a good week. Don't pay too much attention to politics. Look for some trashy TV or movies. Let us know if you find some good trash. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can find us on iTunes if you're coming through SoundCloud. It's probably easier. And you can leave a review. Yeah, we yeah. never ever remember to ask people to do that. Yeah, we probably should. Well, we don't want to jump through hoops. You That's know? true. We gotta rebel. We can't be like performative, and we're not ever gonna try to make a living off of this. So, if you don't want to read a review, that if you don't want to leave a review, that's okay. Yeah, we'd rather you listen than like push our brand. We don't care. Yeah, we're not trying to create a brand. No, but it's you know it's more fun if there are some amount of people listening. So yeah, it doesn't which is always surprising to me when we look at it and it's like someone from London listened or whatever. Like, yeah, it's like how did that happen? This? Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.